Welcome to another episode of Reliving the War and welcome to the 2nd of December 1996. WCW Nitro is live tonight from Dayton, Ohio, while WWF Raw is a taped show from New Haven, Connecticut. WCW is gearing up for their big Starcade event in just a few weeks' time, while the WWF look forward to their 12th In Your House event on the 15th of December. Let's kick things off with Nitro's first 60 minutes, and remember guys, if you enjoyed this series and you want to help me out a little, please hit the subscribe button. Right, let's get started, let's see what happened during the first half of WCW Nitro. Rick and Scott Steiner interrupt Tony and Larry at the beginning of the show, and they aren't too happy that Sting nailed Rick with a scorpion death drop last week. Scotty says he considers Sting a friend, but he's here to make sure Sting doesn't attack his brother again. And Rick says he wants to finish what Sting started last week. He wants a match tonight against the Icon. Glacier decided to show up this week, remember that fucker? And he wrestled, uh, Hardbody Harrison. Should change his name to Deadbody Harrison, cause Glacier destroyed this poor guy in around one minute. The Amazing French Canadians, no, not the Quebecers, the Amazing French Canadians then defeated the Renegade and Joe Gomez. The Quebec crash was enough to win the match, still no chin locks in sight. Arn Anderson got interviewed by Mean Gene Okerlund and it's all about Piper vs Hogan. Double A says that Hulk Hogan is beatable, the enforcer proved that by beating Hogan twice in two weeks. And Anderson knows that Piper's going to be Hogan's toughest ever opponent when the two clash at Starcade. It's also announced here that Nitro next week will be held in Charlotte, North Carolina, and the New World Order has been given an invitation to show up in the Horseman's backyard. Since Buff Bagwell has now left Scotty Riggs, Scotty found himself a new partner for Nitro this week. The American Fields take on the Faces of Fear and, predictably, the Faces of Fear win the match. Riggs attacks Ming and the Barbarian afterwards with a steel chair. Clearly, he's hurt that his old partner decided to join the New World Order. Still no chin locks in sight, could this possibly be a chin lock free episode of Monday Nitro? Also, it was announced here that the Faces of Fear will face the Outsiders at Starcade for the WCW Tag Team titles. The Taskmaster then completely destroyed KC Sunshine, as in KC and the Sunshine Band, creative geniuses at WCW folks. KC Sunshine also had a few WWF matches, he worked in TNA very briefly. And he also posed in Playgirl magazine in 1997, that's Shawn Michaels credentials right there. Casey gets completely annihilated by Sullivan and afterwards, Kevin cuts a promo on Chris Benoit. Sullivan said he hurt Benoit physically in Baltimore but Benoit has hurt Sullivan emotionally. Speaking cryptically again about woman, Sullivan says that the sweetness will eventually wear off and now this feud involves three people. The problem here is that you'd really need to be paying attention to WCW Saturday Night, WCW Nitro and WCW House Shows to try and understand what's going on. This feud would have fared so much better if Sullivan just came out and said, Benoit's been knocking it right into my wife. But no, Sullivan has to talk in riddles and the fans just don't care at all. Billy Kidman tried to take the Cruiserweight title away from Dean Malenko but he was unsuccessful. Dean then broke the streak when he performed a Dean Malenko Chinlock. And Dean eventually won with a Texas Cloverleaf. Honestly, the first 60 minutes of Nitro wasn't all that good, so I'm giving Raw the unopposed point this week. 
Big Bubba takes on Jeff Jarrett once again on Nitro, while the WWF opens up with Flash Funk taking on The Goon, just when we thought the WWF were changing their ways. Our guy here gets a little excited when he sees the Funkettes, Vince McMahon also gets excited at the commentary table, and Jerry Lawler is embarrassed for his boss, imagine that. McMahon enjoys seeing the Funkettes dancing in front of him, but someone who doesn't care at all about getting funky is The Goon. The Goon only cares about hockey and wrestling. Funk takes a beating to start this one off, The Goon nails Flash with a body slam and an elbow drop, and then The Goon applies a chin lock. Malenko beat him to it this week, but if he pulls off two more, then you know what happens. Funk fights out with a few right hands, and a nice twisting sunset flip makes Cactus Jack here stand up and clap in approval. The goon fires back with a clothesline, and then McMahon promotes a few segments we're going to see later in the show. Shawn Michaels is in Stamford, and he has some sort of apology he wants to deliver to fans. And we're also going to see some footage from a recent UK tour where Steve Austin attacked Bret Hart. The goon nails a hip toss, but Funk replies with an arm drag followed by an arm bar. Funk then drop kicks the goon out of the ring, and then we get to see some of Two Cold Scorpio's high risk offense with a crossbody to the outside and a moonsault to the outside. Who needs Mark Merrill when you've got Flash Funk? We come back from a commercial break, and Funk lands a twisting leg drop. And as the goon begins fighting back, we get a look at our Raw Tag Team main event this week. Let's be honest here, this is shit. Flash Funk shouts, Hey, you guys, after taking a suplex. Hey, you the Goon then hits an elbow drop, but it only gets him a two count. Flash eventually tries to come back with a moonsault, but the Goon ducks out of the way. Goon whips Funk into the corner, but Flash counters with a side suplex. And then the match comes to an end when Flash Funk hits a moonsault leg drop. This looked pretty good. Flash Funk celebrates afterwards, and he looks out for all the WWF title shots he won't be receiving anytime soon. The fake Double J gets caught with a side headlock to start this one off, and Big Bubba completely steamrolls through Jarrett afterwards. The commentators are too busy talking about Roddy Piper here, and how everyone respects the Hot Rod, even though Piper said he doesn't represent WCW. Jimmy Hart mocks Jarrett's strut on the outside, and Jeff can't believe the audacity of this little bastard. Bubba then throws Jeff into the corner, and Jeff tries to jump over Bubba. Jarrett ends up getting caught and slammed to the mat. The two then trade wrist locks. Jarrett gets Irish whipped, and Jarrett ends up holding the ropes and performing the strut. Bubba runs at Double J, but Jarrett gets the better of his opponent, and we see a swinging neckbreaker. A bad-looking swinging neckbreaker. Jeff then tries to stomp on Jimmy Hart's fingers, and this gives Bubba an opportunity to strike. Jimmy chokes Jarrett while the referee's distracted, and Double J totally deserved it. I mean, he attacked Jimmy first, after all. Jeff manages to slide out of the ring, and he grabs Hart. Big Bubba follows, and Jarrett takes an elbow to the head. But it's Bubba who ends up accidentally punching poor Jimmy Hart. Double J hits a flying crossbody back inside the ring that only scores a two count. And when Jeff goes for the figure four, Bubba pushes him into the corner. Jimmy Hart then throws his megaphone into the ring, but Bubba misses when he tries to strike Jeff. Jeff pins Bubba, but Mark Curtis gets distracted by Jimmy. Bubba picks up the megaphone again, Curtis tries to take it away, but Jeff lands a dropkick and the megaphone smashes into Bubba's face. Hold on a minute, didn't we see this finish before? Yeah, this happened back in October. 
Going to give the point to WWF Raw here, Flash Funk's aerial offense was great to watch, while Jared and Big Bubba just completely rehashed an old matchup. Squire Dave Taylor takes on Eddie Guerrero next, while the fake Diesel takes on Phineas Godwin. Phineas does a little body popping before the match, no idea why, and Big Diesel punches Phineas on the head for his shit dance moves. Diesel nails Phineas with a clothesline as Jerry Lawler makes fun of Tiny Tim. Tiny Tim had just passed away and the WWF decided to show footage of Lawler destroying his ukulele. On commentary, Lawler is being absolutely merciless towards the deceased musician. Diesel hits a sidewalk slam, he follows up with a leg drop, not sure if that was a regular Kevin Nash move but anyway. Diesel continues destroying the hog farmer as McMahon announces that the fake Diesel and Razor are going to get tag team title shots at In Your House It's Time. Phineas gets choked in the corner by fake Diesel's big fake boot. Phineas tries to throw a few right hands but he's completely overpowered by Diesel. Diesel hits a back elbow and Phineas gets brought back to the corner. An Irish whip attempt then gets countered by Godwin and Diesel takes a back suplex. Just then, fake Razor Ramon shows up. Phineas notices Razor and he gets distracted, and this allows Diesel to hit a jackknife on the hog farmer for the win. Not great. The Steiners jump into the ring on Nitro and Rick again challenges Sting to a match. Sting is shown in the rafters and the icon nods his head, so Rick Steiner vs Sting is our main event tonight on Nitro. The NWO then show up and they take over the commentary desk. Hall, Nash and Bischoff will provide commentary for the remainder of the show. Bischoff wants to talk about Roddy Piper and to show Piper what's going to happen to him at Starcade, Eric Bischoff decides to roll footage of the good guy red and yellow Hulk Hogan beating up Vader, obviously a current WWF superstar. We also see footage of Ric Flair and Randy Savage getting taken out but showing Hogan taking care of Vader had to be a weak shot at the World Wrestling Federation. Dave Taylor rushes at Guerrero but Eddie is too quick. Taylor takes a few right hands as we go to split screen where we see footage of last week's Conan vs Guerrero matchup, the one where the ending was botched. Dave Taylor took control during the replay, Dave nails two consecutive head scissor takedowns and Scott Hall says on commentary that this was sweet. Taylor grabs an arm and the outsiders say they could use an Englishman in the NWO, maybe Squire Dave Taylor or maybe Lord Stephen Regal. Guerrero tries to slam Taylor but Taylor keeps a hold of the arm. Eddie eventually gets launched into the ropes where he's able to perform a head scissors but Taylor lands right on top of his opponent when taking the bump. Taylor gets up and he replies with a drop kick. The fight goes to the corner where Eddie and Taylor trade punches and chops. Taylor goes for a second rope crossbody, but Eddie gets out of harm's way. Eddie then hits a frog splash, and it's all over. Pay attention to referee Mark Curtis, who utilized the spring from Sonic the Hedgehog to jump over both competitors when counting the pinfall. Giving this point to Monday Nitro, it wasn't a great match, but it was better than Fake Diesel versus Phineas Godwin. Arn Anderson looks to destroy Jim Powers next on Monday Nitro while Shawn Michaels gets interviewed on WWF Raw. Vince wants to know what Shawn's apologising for tonight. Shawn says that Vince said last week that he got a little defensive and HPK says he apologises for not being defensive enough. What the fuck is that supposed to mean? We see screenshots from Survivor Series and 
you know the story here. Sean says he doesn't have a problem with Sid using the camera on HBK, he has a problem with Sid using the camera on Jose Lothario. From this point on, pay attention because you can tell this was a promo written by Vince McMahon. Sean says he got emotional last week but he's had time to think about the fans booing him in New York. Sean says that the fans that booed him are the same fans who cheer for his flamboyance and charisma. They may have been booing in the garden but those same fans know that when HBK is on the card they're going to see the best match of the night. HBK gives the fans what they want when they want because he'll take risks. And Sean takes risks because, and I quote, he's a man's man. <sighs> Sean says people call him a bad role model, but Sean says he's just being honest and he's not ashamed to bring his skeletons out of the closet and into the ring. Mm-hmm. HBK says he has long hair, tattoos, he's got his belly pierced, he's not politically correct, but at the Royal Rumble, he's gonna win the belt back and when that happens, whether Bret Hart likes it, whether Sid likes it, He'll continue to come out to the ring to speak his mind and tell the truth because he's extremely proud of who he is and what he's become. Thank you very much for the promo, Vince. I mean, thanks for the promo, Sean. Seriously though, last week's HBK promo was way better. Scott Hall says he can't wait to show up at Charlotte, North Carolina next week as our next Nitro match gets underway. And this one starts off with the Enforcer throwing Jim Powers out of the ring and Double A grinds his opponent's face on the protective mats. He grinds his face on protective mats. Jim then gets rammed into the ring post. Double A brings it back into the ring where Jim takes a knee drop. And the outsiders begin putting Arn over on commentary, saying that no one ever said that Anderson couldn't go. Powers finally comes back with a crossbody, but he only gets a two. Anderson makes Jim pay by grinding his face at the ropes. And the enforcer brings it down to the mat while ramming his knee into the arm of Jim Powers. As the Enforcer continues to destroy his opponent, Bischoff says that Anderson would be a great addition to the New World Order. And Hall brings us back to the Disney MGM shows and he laughs at how Anderson tried to peek through the tinted windows of a limousine at night. But joking aside, Hall said if AA just opened the door, then Anderson would have been welcomed in with open arms. Arn misses a middle rope attack and a follow-up elbow drop. Powers gets a boot up in the corner. Powers then capitalizes by performing a knee lift, but a follow-up drop kick only scores him a two count. Jim tries pinning Arn after a clothesline, but the enforcer again kicks out, and Arn then decides to end it with a DDT. Nothing special from both shows, but I'll give this point to Nitro. Sean said a whole lot of nothing really during his promo. WCW Nitro presents another match in the US title tournament, Chris Benoit vs Steve Regal, while Bradshaw takes on the real Double J Jesse James on Raw, not that fake lip syncing goofball over on Nitro. James sings on his way to the ring to the pleasure of absolutely no one, the match starts after Raw takes a commercial break, and check out this week's sponsors for WWF Raw, the Sega Saturn and Beavis and Butthead do America, fantastic. Now we've got serious work to do. <laughs> Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. <laughs> okay, here we go. <laughs> James counters a hip toss attempt. Bradshaw tries to hit a clothesline, but James ducks out of the way and Bradshaw takes a few right hands. Bradshaw goes for another clothesline and James counters with a crossbody. James summons his inner Phineas Godwin with a little bit of dancing before Bradshaw gets drop kicked twice. Bradshaw falls out of the ring, but James lets his opponent get back inside. 
Bradshaw brings the real Double J into the corner. James takes a few forearms to the chest and Jesse then jumps up and stretches his legs after getting whipped to the opposite corner. Even Jerry Lawler busted out laughing at how ridiculous this looked. James shrugs this off and he hits a kick to Bradshaw's midsection and Bradshaw replies with a big boot to the face. Uncle Zebekiah likes what he sees as our match continues on. And as Bradshaw hits a clothesline in the corner, it's announced that The Undertaker will face Mankind next week on Raw in a no holds barred match. Definitely looking forward to that one. James gets choked on the middle ropes and hopefully he damages his vocal cords. Zebekiah even gets in a cheap shot here and Bradshaw continues to punish his opponent as the real Double J flops around like a fish out of water. James manages to counter a suplex attempt with a suplex of his own, but Bradshaw fires right back with a swinging neckbreaker. Bradshaw applies two sleeper holds and James gets out of the second with a back suplex. Bradshaw then tries to hit a pile driver or a power bomb, but James counters it with a back body drop. And James then begins his big comeback. Bradshaw gets whipped into the corner and James begins shaking his hips. Bradshaw gets hit with a clothesline and James does a strut, not the Jackie Fargo strut, it's just a strut. James then takes care of both Bradshaw and Zebekiah, but it's the numbers game that causes James to lose the match. Eventually, Zebekiah grabs the road dog's foot on the outside, and Bradshaw almost takes his opponent's head off with a lariat. James gets pinned and he gets branded, and after saying that Raw felt different over these past few weeks, this whole match felt like something from the start of 1996. Regal talks a little trash to the NWO during his entrance. He and Benoit get in the ring, and those who have seen this match before will remember exactly what happens here. Regal takes control of the wrist and Benoit takes a wrist lock takedown, and when both men get back to their feet, Regal nails Benoit with a few headbutts and Chris gives one right back. Benoit's headbutt busts Regal open in a big way, and a few open palm strikes right to Regal's head causes the bleeding to look even worse. And this is something TNT does not want to show on television. They decide to still show the match, but the hard camera gets zoomed way out, and the whole match plays out like this with no camera cuts. What you see here is what was broadcasted. It's a very physical bout, open palm strikes are on top as Benoit and Regal beat the hell out of each other, and eventually Regal begins putting all his focus on Benoit's left arm. Here's the genius of Scott Hall. Hall says the cameras have zoomed out because the NWO is looking for Sting. They're looking through the crowd and looking to the rafters to try and find the icon. And personally, I thought this was a great little explanation for younger fans who wouldn't know why Regal's face wasn't allowed to be shown on TV. Regal thinks about going for a chin lock, but he knows I'm watching, so he hits a forearm across Benoit's nose. Benoit gets to his feet, he lands a big chop, and Regal takes a body slam before Chris signals for the diving headbutt. Chris lands the move, but Regal kicks out. And then, the two men counter tombstone pile drivers before Benoit finally hits the move. The way Regal throws his arms out when taking the pile driver is absolutely insane, and I wish we got a better shot of this. Benoit misses a plancha to the outside, and when the match gets back inside the ropes, Regal manages to nail a double underhook suplex from the top. Benoit manages to kick out. In the end, after getting thrown into the turnbuckles, Chris Benoit hits a pinning German suplex to win the match. 
It's a natural oddity. The company had to make a decision on the fly, and while it may not have been the best choice, what other choice did they have? Giving this point to Nitro, the match was better and it was also way more interesting to look at. Anderson, Mongo and Deborah come out to cut a promo along with Benoit. Anderson says the horsemen are rebuilding and refocusing. If WCW needs leadership, all the company needs to do is look at the four horsemen. But then, Anderson wants to know where woman is. Chris says woman is elsewhere taking care of horsemen business. But Anderson says if she was taking care of horseman business, then she'd be here on Nitro. Mongo starts talking about how dissensions start among teams, but Deborah cuts Mongo off to say that Woman won't shut up about how much she likes Chris Benoit, and how Woman is choosing perfume backstage that pleases Chris. Bischoff says on commentary that this is like some sort of expose and the truth is now coming out. Double A says Benoit has given him his word, and that's all the Enforcer needs. Next up, Raw presents the second semi-final match in the Karate Fighters tournament along with footage from a recent UK tour, while WCW puts on a Rocco Rock vs Lex Luger matchup. Psycho Sid decided he wasn't going to compete in his semi-final Karate Fighters match, so Jerry Lawler is taking Sid's place. Mr. Perfect, Sid's scheduled opponent, has disappeared from the World Wrestling Federation. He won't come back for this epic tournament. And so, Todd Pettengill is going to replace Perfect. Here's what I think happened. The WWF already recorded the Sid vs. Perfect match and Perfect won. And because Perfect was now gone and because Sid can't look weak even in a toy fight, they replaced the whole match. Remember, if Perfect won, he'd also be in the final segment too, a guy who no longer represents the company. Sounds petty, I know, but this is the WWF we're talking about here. Lawler picks Samurai Ninja while Pettengill chooses Headstone. Neither guy wants to touch Cyberfist. Our match gets underway and Jerry Lawler wins. That means Lawler vs Sable is our tournament final. We then see clips from that UK tour. Remember last week when Bulldog saved Bret Hart? Well, the storyline progressed overseas. Austin attacked Psycho Sid with the WWF Championship belt, and this caused the British Bulldog to hit the ring to attack Austin. Once Austin got out of the ring, Sid tried to powerbomb Davey, but Bret Hart then came down to save his brother-in-law. Bret and Sid went face to face, but Steve Austin then attacked Bret from behind resulting in Hart taking a chokeslam from the WWF Champion. Everyone gets interviewed afterwards. Austin is angry at Bulldog showing up. Bulldog is angry at Austin, but Owen wants Davey to focus on their tag team and their upcoming match against Diesel and Razor. Brett says he'll deal with Austin down the road, but right now he's focused on In Your House and his WWF title shot. And Sid rightfully says he has no idea why all these people are getting involved in his match, but with that being said, Sid has no problem taking people out because he's the master and ruler of the world. Rocco Rock starts his match off with Luger by dropping the total package across the top rope. Rock then chokes Luger and while the referee has his back turned, Johnny Grunge gets in a few cheap shots. This happens twice. The Outsiders and Bischoff then call the NWO the number one wrestling company in the world. WCW can be number two, a Japanese promotion can be number three, and when Kevin Nash says that ECW could be fourth, the whole commentary team begin laughing. Hall says at least you can play bingo when you attend an ECW show. 
Lex gets thrown into the turnbuckles, he dodges a corner attack and Rocco Rock takes a few forearms. Lex doesn't keep his momentum, Rock lays in a few boots while Scott Hall compliments his footwear. And again, Johnny Grunge attacks Luger behind the referee's back. Luger gets thrown out of the ring where he takes more punishment from Grunge but it doesn't phase the total package. Luger gets back into the ring where he hits a press slam on Rocco Rock. And remember, Rocco isn't a small guy, Luger makes this look easy. Lex then hits a clothesline that turns Rocco Rock inside out. And when Grunge tries to interfere and hold Lex in place for an attack, Lex manages to duck out of the way and a torture rack gets applied. Luger wins and he throws Rock onto Grunge before leaving the ring. Giving the point to Nitro, the WWF UK Tour stuff was interesting, but watching the crowd respond so well to Lex Luger and hearing the outsiders commentary made this one quite fun to watch, more so than what I was expecting. Main event time, we've got a questionable tag team match on Raw and Sting's first scheduled WCW match since Fall Brawl 96. Let's get this tag match over with them. Billy Gunn and Jake Roberts start us off here and Gunn wants nothing to do with this atrocious main event, he's running away from his opponent. Jake applies an armbar, he transitions into a wrist lock and Billy Gunn helps to make Jake's hip toss look amazing by jumping high into the air. Jake nails a clothesline, he goes for a DDT but Billy gets out of the ring. Jesse James appears via split screen and McMahon says Jesse must be upset about what happened earlier and James says your dog gone right, he's upset. The Real Double J challenges Bradshaw and Zebekiah to a handicap match next week. Hooray. Triple H is now in the ring and it looks like Jake needs a little nap and a few headache tablets. Jake takes control of the wrist and he tags in Mero, Hunter runs away from the wild man and Billy gets tagged back in. Mero vs Helmsley takes place at In Your House It's Time by the way and remember to subscribe to the channel because I'll be looking at this whole event in a separate video very soon. Mero hits a kick to the midsection followed by a knee lift and at this moment I'm just thinking we only really saw one chin lock throughout this whole episode of Reliving the War. Regal's really doesn't count so maybe we'll see a few more here. We're seeing plenty of wrist locks though as Robert supplies another when he gets tagged in. The Roman Greco thumb to the eye puts Jake in his place, Gunn tags in Hunter, Jake rushes to tag in Mero. And the wild man charges at Hunter in the corner. Billy Gunn has to help his future DX teammate in keeping Mero at bay. Helmsley tags out because he wants none of Mero. Jake transitions from an armbar to a hammerlock, and he somehow makes it look like he's changing attire. He then tries to pin Gunn after another transition, but Billy grabs Jake's hair. The referee tries to stop the hair pulling instead of counting the pin. This actually was quite clever. Jake applies another wrist lock before tagging in Mero. Mero hits a back body drop as Jerry Lawler says Jake Roberts currently looks like Tiny Tim. Jake gets tagged back in, Gunn takes a short arm clothesline and Hunter really needs to get in and help his partner out. Gunn manages to counter a DDT attempt and Triple H gets tagged in. Roberts gets a knee drilled into his back in the corner. We come back from a commercial break and Jake has Billy Gunn in the corner. No idea what they're doing here. Gunn gets a boot up in the opposite corner and Hunter tags in briefly to apply a reverse headlock. We're then told about another match happening next week, a champion vs champion non-title match between Sid and Triple H. And there it is, another chin lock. 
gun applies a reverse headlock but Jake manages to counter with a DDT. Both men are now on the mat and both men need to tag out. Helmsley and Mero come into the match, Gunn helps out his tag team partner when Mero was building offense, but Hunter ends up getting dropkicked into Mero and Hunter again hits his tag team partner when Gunn was trying to get back into the ring. This leads to Hunter and Gunn arguing, Billy decides to leave the match and Hunter takes a double back elbow from Roberts and Mero. Mero hits a Samoan drop and then we see the wild thing. 1-2-3, Mero and Roberts win the match. Just before Raw goes off the air, Jake throws his big snake on top of Hunter and Helmsley completely nopes out. This wasn't a great main event but what stood out here was Billy Gunn. Billy worked hard in this one and you could tell he was trying to move up a little. Bischoff and the Outsiders are excited to see Sting in tonight's main event. The NWO still thinks Sting is going to join the group as Rick and Scott get in the ring. Sting enters through the audience, holding his baseball bat. The icon gets in the ring and Rick wants Sting to throw the bat away. Sting tosses the bat down and he turns his back to Rick, giving Rick a free shot. The dog-faced gremlin takes the free hit and Sting gets whacked. The stinger falls to the outside and the crowd are totally loving what they're seeing here. Scott Steiner throws Sting back into the ring and Rick completely pummels the icon. Steiner then goes for a body attack but Sting dodges it and then we see the scorpion death drop. Sting then picks up the baseball bat and Scott Steiner gets in the ring. Sting moves Scott out of the way and he offers the bat to Rick. Rick goes to once again attack Sting from behind but Scott jumps in to stop his brother and Sting then leaves the ring. The Stinger approaches the Outsiders and Bischoff at the commentary table. The NWO tells Sting they have a contract for him, but Sting just points his bat before leaving again through the audience. Nitro ends with the NWO saying Sting will join the faction eventually and Bischoff hopes to see Roddy Piper live next week on Monday Nitro. Giving the final point to Nitro, the wrestling match on Raw was better, but Nitro provided much more entertainment with their final segment. Sting was just so intriguing during this time period, and keeping fans in the dark in regards to his intentions was a recipe for success. Nitro wins this week's Reliving the War, and I think that's fair this week. The WWF slipped big time after a few good shows and I think it comes down to a lack of true big name talent competing inside the ropes. No Austin, no Michaels, no Hart, no Mankind, no Undertaker. Raw was filled with mid-card matches this week. Nitro wasn't great by the way, it was just better than Raw. Our overall scores are now 21 points to Raw, 31 points to Nitro and we've had 8 ties. In the television ratings, Nitro won with a 3.4. WWF Raw scored a 2.3. So next week we'll have that No Holds Barred match featuring The Undertaker and Mankind, and we'll also see the Helmsley vs Sid match. Over on Nitro, the US title tournament continues with Diamond Dallas Page taking on Jeff Jarrett. Roddy Piper also makes an appearance and he's looking for Hulk Hogan. Thank you very much for watching guys, I hope you enjoyed this one and take care.